Luke's Gospel 24, beginning to read at verse 1, please. Luke 24, verse 1. Can I say why you're looking that up? Next week, next Sunday, children from Glenda, what age? Preschool to P7 will have their own Sunday school during our service here. They'll be in around breaking of bread. They'll walk out here and you'll see the doors at the side. They'll be in there. It's all been cleaned out. We've been having prayer meetings in there and they'll be having different teachers and we also have some of our young people will be helping as well next Sunday. So if you bring your children preschool to P7, they'll have their own uh, little uh, Sunday school Bible class out there every Sunday morning in the Lord's will. Just to let you know, uh, Glenn was to come up with announcements and sure didn't I forget that too. And we're also going to be at Turkington's tonight over there in Martin Road for the drive-in at 6pm. We will be here sometime in the evening, but we've been there so long, we feel we're still reaching people there. People are still being saved there. And we're just continuing on there while the Lord is reaching out somewhere else. But we will be here uh, in the Lord's will next Sunday. Now this week, folks, just before I forget this week, there will be no midweek meeting. Uh, we need people to get a rest. There's been so many are exhausted working around the place. And we hope to have our prayer meeting following week after that. But we will be here in the Lord's will next Sunday morning. Please be aware there are many horses go up and down the, the little road here. So please drive with caution as well. Um, anything else, Glenn? That's it. CBRNI, um, they have asked us for you not to turn up and pour it down. Trevor's not right. Yeah. Until further notice. Until further notice. That's with the abortions happening. Until further notice. They have moved from there. So that's one victory, praise the Lord. But they've went somewhere else. And we're looking to see how we deal with that from there. Uh, so please don't turn up this Tuesday or any Tuesday or anywhere until further notice. And we will announce it. Is that it, Glenn? Should have got you up just to do that, shouldn't I? Again. Anyway, uh, Luke 24, please. Verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they went in and found not the body. Underlying the word body, they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed, down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified on the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for so many to fill this place. We thank you, Lord, even as your spirit had spoken and said, build it and I will fill it. We thank you for this morning, Lord. And we ask you now in the precious and most worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your only son, that you would settle our hearts and our minds. And, oh God, that you would speak to us severally and individually as you seem and deem it fit. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And we thank you we can come directly to the throne room of grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are always there to listen 
You're always there for us. Neither to leave us, Lord. And we just praise you this morning. Bless those who can't be with us this morning. Bless those who are sick and in need of a touch in their body. And heal them, we pray in Jesus' name. Now I take your word and anoint my lips, Lord, and use me for your glory and for your honor. For Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. Simply have entitled this morning's message, Why Seek Ye the Living Among the Dead? That's an important thing this morning. Why Seek Ye the Living Among the Dead? Maybe you would repeat that because I want you to get it into you this morning. Would you repeat it? Why Seek Ye Living? Would you say it again? When they go to the sepulchre, the body of Jesus is gone, and the two, the, the two men, as they say, why seek ye the living among the dead? In other words, where there's life, there is no death. And where there's death, there is no life. So why seek ye the living among the dead? First of all, there was that question was in verse 5. They asked why. Why seek ye the living among the dead? And then in verse 6, they have an affirmation of the resurrection. He is not here, but is risen. And in verse 7, we have them brought back to the cross, the crucifixion. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. They reminded them of the cross and the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They reminded them that he had said that he would go to the grave. They said that, he said that they would be uh, looking for him, but he would be risen from the dead. And so he told them this before he went to the cross. They cast their minds back. Remember the words he said. And brothers and sisters, it's important for us in every sphere and in every aspect and circumstance of life that we turn to the Word of God and remember all the words that He says to us, every word that He tells us. Notice here the crucifixion. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And then again in verse 7, the declaration is this again of the resurrection twice in the narrative we have it. The third day, rise again, it says. Notice here they're declaring that Christ has told them he would die, he would be buried, and that he would rise again. Then in verse 8, we have the recollection, remembering the words of the Lord. The message in short this morning, the message in short to these disciples, the message in short to you and I is this simple. And we sang it, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and hence, since he lives, the Scriptures tell us that you and I shall live also. The message must be made known in its fullness and in its truth. But note, the Jesus, the men who were at the sepulchres talked about, the, the Jesus who those two men in shining garments said he's risen. The Jesus they spoke about and the Jesus whom the disciples went to seek out and then later to follow on to know. The Jesus of those disciples 
is not the Jesus of some people. We must be careful and you must be aware of these things. He is not the Jesus, for example, of the Unitarians. And he's not the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses, as they're called. Because they deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, they believe that the body of Jesus, that's why I said underline the word the body, the body of Jesus dissolved in the tomb. In other words, he went in bodily and it dissolved. And he's no more than a spirit now. But take note of this. He was raised to life and he was resurrected bodily. For example, in Luke 24, in verse 36, if you let your eye run down the chapter. And as they spake thus, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen a spirit. Notice, they thought they were looking at a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I. He personalizes it to say, Look, it's me who you knew, who you walked with, who you seen crucified, whose blood you seen pour from the body on the tree. It is I, notice, myself. Handle me. You cannot handle a spirit. He says, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And then he says, in verse, it says in verse 40, And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb. Note, and he took it and did eat before them. What was he doing? He was saying, behold my hands and behold my feet. Now look at the scars where they nailed me to the tree. Now you can even put your hands upon my hands and your fingers into the holes if you wish. I have been risen from the dead bodily. I am not a spirit. It is I myself. The one whom you knew who died for you and the one whom was crucified on the cross, he says, it is me. Flesh and bone. Notice he didn't say flesh and blood because his blood was shed on Calvary's tree. His blood was poured out for us. And so he is not the Jesus of people like this for he ate to show them, look, a body eats. A body can eat, but a spirit does not. Secondly, Jesus is not the Jesus of the Talmud. He's not the Jesus of the Jewish Talmud. Listen, in the Jewish Talmud, it, it, it takes a, his, his birth and makes little of his birth. Oh, this man, Jesus, was uh, an illegitimate child by a, a young woman, Mary, who was with a, a Roman mercenary soldier called Pantera, and so he cannot be uh, anything to do with deity nor God's son. They make little of his birth. They make even more little of his life, and they call him numerous names throughout his life. They, they go and they, they, they call him all sorts of things throughout his life, and then they slander him. And then in his suffering and his death, they say he died because he was a sorcerer. A sorcerer. This is not the Jesus you and I serve. And it's not the Jesus you and I love. 
And it's not the Jesus who came and bled and died on Calvary's cross. It is not the Jesus who shed his blood that you and I might be saved and forgiven of our sins and cleansed. No, this isn't this Jesus, for he was Son of God. He was Almighty Deity, come down and clothed in humanity. And there in his perfection of life, there he was nailed to the tree and shed his blood that we might be forgiven. This is the Christ we serve. This is the Jesus we love. And this is the Jesus we know. And of course, they call him a sorcerer in his death. And they say in his eternity that Jesus is punished with boiling feces in hell as we speak. No, friend, in eternity, Jesus is ascended into heaven. Jesus is glorified of the Father. And there he sits at his right hand in the place of all power and all authority. Oh, church, will you say amen to the glory of God? Yes, Christ is alive. Jesus is risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? I want you to know that he is not the Jesus so-called or the Asa or Isa of Islam. The Asa, who they say is Jesus of Islam, is not God's son, for God has no son. The Islamic Asa, they say that he is not God's son, so he did not and could not die for our sins. Then he could not be buried, and he could not rise again from the dead to justify us, to declare us righteous who are all in Christ. This is the, 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 the Jesus, the Asa of Islam. Jesus is not the same person, the one we serve, the one we love, the one we know, the one who redeemed us and ransomed us. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is very God of very God and very man of very man. And he did go to the cross and he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And there he shed his precious blood. And there he died for me and he died for you. And there he forgave us who come to him in repentance and faith. You see, they want to praise Jesus while they plunder Jesus. They want to praise him while they plunder his beauty and his glory and his loveliness and his majesty. But brothers and sisters, the Jesus that we love and serve, he says he is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is risen and he is alive after the power of an endless life. Why seek ye the living among the dead? So in Matthew 24, he says the Son of Man in verse 7 must be delivered. He must. He must be delivered simply because if he is not delivered, if he was not delivered, we are still in our sin. This morning we're singing and we're still in our sin if he wasn't delivered. We're still in our sin if he didn't go to the tomb and rise again on the third day. You and I are still lost for all eternity if Jesus did not die for us. But he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. 
And they took him and they nailed him hand and foot to the tree. And there they, they watched him until he hung his head on a pulseless breast and gave up the ghost. You see, Paul tells us in a nutshell the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4, he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the two men in shining garments are right to ask, why seek ye the living among the dead? Do you believe him? You see, it's easy to say, I believe Jesus. It's easy for you and I to say, yes, I, I believe Jesus. But do you believe him with all your heart? Do you believe him when you need to really dig deep? Do you believe him when the going gets tough? And do you remember the word of God? Do you remember what he says? Do you remember what he's done? Do you remember what he accomplished? Do you remember that when he cried, it is finished? That he meant it? When he cried, it is finished? That your payment and debt of sin was paid in full. Nothing to add, nothing to give, nothing to bring. All laid on Christ. And as Glenn said this morning, the fullness, brother and sister, the fullness of the wrath of God. Listen, the fullness of the wrath of God was laid on him. Now, do you believe it? Do you believe it, brother, sister? If you do, let's live like it. Notice here, in Luke 23, the chapter before, verses 52 and 53. Luke 23, verse 52. This man, that is Joseph of Arimathea, this man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in the sepulchre. That was hewn in stone wherein never man before was led. I want you to see, he took the body down off the cross. You know what this tells me and you this morning? That Jesus is not a dead figure hanging on a piece of wood. He is not a dead man who is on a crucifix. He is not a man, he's no longer on the cross. They took his body down from the cross. They laid his body in a tomb. And now in Luke 24, verses 5 and 6, he's no longer in the tomb. He's not on the cross, and he's no longer in the tomb. And you may say, well then, where is he? I told you before, I'm going to tell you again. He's at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't occupy a cross anymore, and he doesn't occupy a tomb anymore. He occupies a throne of glory. He is the one who said, all power is given unto me. Where? In. Where did he say? In where? Come on, shout it out. Where? In heaven and on earth. King of kings and the Lord of lords who will return in triumphant glory when sent of his father. Notice here, he is not here, he is risen. In a sense, he's not here among us physically, 
and bodily. Please get me right here. Physically and bodily, for he's ascended. But when he ascended, he sent forth his spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. And so the believers, we have the spirit of God. And you and I, brothers and sisters, you and I are the body of Christ on earth. Now we'll take it a little different here and things will take a little turn. You see, when uh, the disciples watched him ascend from uh, the Mount of Olives, and the men there, again, they said unto them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall return in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so, Between that time taken up and Jesus coming back again, his spirit is now in our hearts. And listen, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, Paul tells us, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. In that chapter he says, the eye and the ear and the hand and the foot can't be all things. So there's many members in the body. I've seen the body working wonderfully even in labor and in times of prayer, when we were here throughout these weeks, people doing little things. In fact, Alison thinks now that I can fix everything in the house because I was here so much. And it's like, voila. And I actually said to her late last night, I says, I have something to tell you. I lifted and I maybe pulled and hauled a bit, but to be honest, everybody done all the good stuff. But we were all members in particular, and in the body of Christ that's known as the mystical body of Christ on the earth, you and I, people may say, why seek ye the living among the the dead? And may they say that. May they say that about our lives. Let's look at it for a moment, will we, please? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And please do forgive me if you have heard some of this before, uh, especially just this little bit, because I love this passage of Scripture. And Paul opens up Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and you hath he quickened. That is, the Holy Spirit hath quickened. The Holy Spirit is made alive. The word there is zapoio. Zapoio, and it means to make alive, to reanimate. When we died in Adam, When Adam sinned, we sinned. When Adam died, we died. And we were dead to God. We were dead in our nature. And so the Holy Spirit, he must come and quicken us. And make us alive. That we can even behold the Lamb of God. That we can even call on the name of the Lord. And so since we were dead, and you hath he quickened, made alive. He, he reanimated for Adam walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. When he sinned, separation came. Adam died spiritually toward God then physically as death would uh, proceed after that. But you and I in it then, we have death. We have death in our mortal bodies and our flesh and we have death among us in hospitals and so on. But here's something I want you to see that the words the poio, you have he quickened, is the words for quickened. You have he quickened. It means where Adam died, it's like if you have a, a little stick man and you draw a little stick man and there that stick man doesn't move and you, you, you draw him where then one next page he's maybe moved an arm and then he's moved a foot and then he's moved another arm and the next page and so on. And when you flick it together, it's animation. 
He seems as though he's walking. And you see the little stick man walking as you're flicking through the animation. Adam walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. And this word means the Holy Spirit came and we were dead, dead as dead could be in our sins and trespasses. And what happened? The Spirit of God came and started to speak to us and deal with us. We started to realize the things of God. We started to be interested in the things of God. And our spirit started to awaken. And suddenly, like that little stick man, reanimation came. That's what it means. And we started to walk as though we were never dead at all. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice this. Verse 2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. The word according gives the idea of dominance. It's a kata. The dominance of the world. The dominance of the flesh. The dominance of this life. Walking. Listen, the world should never dominate the Christian. But notice this. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according or the dominance of the prince of the power of the air, that the devil dominated the lives of men and women and still does to this day. According to the power of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The word nature is fusus. The germs, the lineal descent of Adam. That's who we were. The Spirit comes and quickens us and makes us alive to reanimate us that we may behold our need of salvation and gives us repentance unto life. But we were dominated by the world, dominated by the flesh, dominated by the lust. In other words, we were living in a state of death in Adam. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We were among the dead, that is, dead men and women walking. Dead toward God. But now as the body of Christ, we are made alive in him. Quickened by him. And so we have to ask ourselves, as a, an individual believer, ask yourself, I'll ask myself, and we must ask ourselves, how's our lifestyle? How's our walk in this world? Do we trifle with the world, or, or do we put a face on for church and our rest of our lives are ungodly? Lying and deceiving and cheating, maybe drinking and whatever else, you know, fornicating and so on and so on and so on. And we have to ask ourselves then, since we're meant to be alive, why seek ye the living among the dead? If you're alive, how can you live among the dead, brother? If you're alive, how can you live among the dead, sister? Live like the dead and love the dead and walk like the dead and act like the dead. If you are living in Christ, why seek ye the living among the dead? I wonder if people came to us in our individual walk and thoughts and life and actions. I wonder how many. I wonder how many would come to the tomb of the dead of society and find the living there. Find the living there. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Why would you want to be among the dead? Why would you feel comfortable among the dead? Why would you want to live like the dead? Because you're alive. 
You're alive in Christ. You're alive and you love him then. You will live for him. Maybe this week or today or whenever, maybe when you're among the dead the next time and they're telling their rotten, filthy jokes and talking of their conquests at the weekend and their mouth is like the sewer pipe and you smile to get along with it. Maybe you'll hear, why seek ye the living among the dead? Why seek ye the living among the dead? Listen to Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If God has given to you and me an entirely new life in Christ, how can that new life spend itself after the fashion of the old life? Shall the spiritual live as the carnal? How can you that were servants of sin but have been made free by the precious blood go back to your old slavery? Surely, when we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we find that he is more than enough and satisfies. Now, none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus, found in me. From the day and the hour God took me from the death of my sin and from the horrible pit and from the merry clay which I found myself in and he rescued me. From the day and the hour that Christ came into my life, the world is just rotten Undead to me. Will you turn with me to Second Corinthians, please? I've just got a little a car registration FG two seventy six seventy seven. Could you please move your car? FG two seven six. What? Is that a Z? Who wrote that? <laughs> I'm not saying I think he's the elder. <laughs> FGZ. Looks like a two. Sorry. FGZ 7677. Could you please slip out and move your car and come in again? Thank you. We're all waiting to see who owns it now, aren't we? <laughs> aren't you? Really? Tell the truth. Yeah. Shoot on you. <laughs> I'm just going to read that again but I don't need to in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 please 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 don't think that this is condemnation I'm trying to encourage I'm trying to help I'm trying to for us to leave here with something this morning you know this comes to me first and I went to bed on I can't remember what night it was. I think it was Thursday evening. And I couldn't sleep. And I got up at about 
2 o'clock in the morning and I sat right through the night praying, thinking about it and jotting things down to half five in the morning, fell asleep with a tea for an hour and took my daughter to work and then came to the tent and I'm still trying to catch up on it. But this burned in me. I couldn't put it down until I... I couldn't get it out of my head until I got writing it down, I should say. In 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 6. Notice here, if you let your eye run down to verse 14, notice, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. See the word, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Paul takes this from Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 10. I'll read it to you. Jot it down. You can read it when you go home. And he writes, Thou shalt not plow with an ox as an ass together. You couldn't put an ox and an ass under the same plow, under the same yoke, and expect a straight furrow, brothers and sisters. And he says, if you're living like that with unbelievers, it's like the ox and the ass, and you you cannot put them under the same yoke together, expect them to pull with the same speed and strength and to have uh, or to plow a straight furrow. And that's what our life is like if we are uh, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We are to love them, we are to work with them, we are in society with them, we are to help them, we will bless them, but we cannot live like them. And notice what he says here. Be ye not unequally... Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath lightness with darkness? What communion is there? Light and dark are polar opposites one to the other. Complete polar opposites. Right at the beginning of creation. And darkness covered the face of the deep, it says. And then we're told, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. Darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. And so, since you turn on the lights here, darkness will dispel. It cannot comprehend. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then he says, and the light shineth in the darkness. And he's looking right at creation and the great creator God, now the word forming himself, coming into flesh. And he says, listen, he was the only light in all of the universe. And he is the only light in all of this world, the globe, the planet, in Israel. So his light shines now in you and his light shines now in me. Wherever you are in a dark and hard time, maybe going to work and, you know, you can be that light. You can be the light and you will shine in the dark, but you must keep yourself as, why seek ye the living among the dead? Death and life are as far apart in juxtaposition one to the other, against the other as darkness and light is. 
When you go into a room and it's pitch black and you look for the light switch or you feel for it and you hit the switch on and the light comes on, what happens? The darkness disappears. And hence, brothers and sisters, is the light shining in the darkness. And here, he's saying, well, what communion is there? How far apart are we from those who are unsaved or from the world? I might offend people here, I don't mean to, but I, I have to be honest and I have to be truthful to the Word of God. Brothers, sisters, see if you're claiming Christ and you're living, a, well, they're all locked down at the minute, but if they open up again and your life was, well, you went and you were in the pub on a Saturday night and you're in the church on Sunday morning singing praises unto God and there you were half full drunk on a Saturday night and with the same mouth you're praising God, there's something wrong. There's something wrong, believer. Notice here what he says in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he with a belie- that believeth with an infidel? You know, Christ and Belial, that's, this word is used for Satan. Christ and Satan. Do you know the Mormons believe that Christ and Satan were brothers? And so was Adam. They're all brothers. And where Adam failed because his other brother caused him to fall, well then this whole big family of, 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 of deity comes down and now Jesus comes down to sort it all out. This isn't the Jesus we serve. He's eternal. He's the Son of God. He's the Word of the Father. He was clothed in flesh. And he came in humility and he walked a life that you couldn't walk and live and he died the death that you and I couldn't die because he kept the law of God and it's fullness that you and I couldn't keep. Dead in trespasses and sins and he spoke into our lives and he brought life to us. Jesus is alive. Come on, brothers and sisters. Jesus is alive. He's alive. I believe it. You ask me how I know he lives. <laughs> he lives within my heart. He lives in me. In verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Look, Temple of idols and the temple of the living God. The temple of idols is the temple of death. Whether it be a temple of another religion or a temple of whatever denomination that's dead and lifeless, spiritless, without the gospel, without the blood, and without the book, and without the preaching of the gospel of grace found only in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, without all of that, it doesn't matter if it's a Catholic church or, the, or pardon me, the Protestant church or a Catholic chapel. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's without Christ, if it's without the blood, the book, and if it's without the word of God, then it's dead. It's dead. Ye are the temple of the living God. Know ye not, know ye not, Ye are the temple, 
Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple. Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're filled with power, filled with praise, filled with glory. Fill with power, fill with praise, fill with glory. Fill with power, fill with praise, fill with glory. Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You see, Christ has risen. And Jesus is alive. And he lives in his temple. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. And so, brothers and sisters, to finish this, will you turn with me to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, please? And chapter 20. Why seek ye the living among the dead? The living temple, the living Christ, the living body of Christ among the dead and the things of this world? Why seek ye the living among the dead? There'd be plenty would come to that sort of tomb and find that temple there. Shouldn't be so. Notice here in Revelation 20, we will have to skip some verses for time's sake. Verse 4, And I saw thrones that were upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads, nor in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Notice, but the rest of the dead live not until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The coming of Christ in the first resurrection. First Thessalonians 4, and you'll read it there, of, of the coming of the Lord and the translation of the saints and uh, 1 Corinthians 15 you'll read about it as well being changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at Christ's return that's the first resurrection and then here we're told that there's going to be a time when the dead without Christ will stay in their graves the bodies will rise from the grave at the coming of Christ but the rest will stay until the second resurrection. So even at the coming of Christ, why seek ye the living among the dead? You won't find the believer after that resurrection, the true serving, blood-washed, blood-bought believer, the saint of God. Because they're changed. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Notice this then when we go on down the chapter. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Would you say the second death hath no power? I want you to get it and say it. Time's flowing. Second death hath no power. Do you know the word power is there? Exousia. Exousia. And it means right Privilege, license, or authority. 
The second death has no right to you. The second death has no privilege over you. The second death has no license on you. The second death has no authority over you. Why seek ye the living among the dead? You see, you're alive in Christ. Notice here, the second death, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell, or the grave that is, the region of the dead, gave up, delivered up their dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Notice, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name in the book of life? Well, how do I know? You come to Christ. You come to Christ. You make your calling and election sure. And at this great white throne judgment, the living, the alive in Christ, the living, they'll be able to say, why seek ye the living among the dead? For he, that is the body mystical, he is not here, but is risen. Are you saved today? We're here to help you if you're not. We're here to tell you that we're here to help you if you're not. Can I ask the team to come up, please? Are you saved today? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive. He is risen. Bodily. He's coming back again. Bodily. To a literal earth to sit on a literal throne in Jerusalem are you ready so when you go home and wherever you are I trust to be why seek you the living among the dead why am I here I'm saved and I shouldn't act like this I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be getting on like this I shouldn't be living or taking or whatever why seek ye the living among the dead I'll tell you this this is me definitely finished. I said this to a young man a couple of years ago. He was falling away and was sitting talking to him, trying to encourage him on to go on with God. My brother, who's backslidden, I love him walking through Belfast City Centre one night and a mom was giving out tracks and recognised him. And he went to him and he says, What doest thou hear, Elijah? What doest thou hear, Elijah? Oh, my brother's heart, he says, struck him. He's still away from God. I told this young man one time, I want you to hear what doest thou hear, Elijah? Trying to show them that we love them. No, he done, he says. Stop it. Literally that. No, stop it. And you know, don't. Please stop it. 
when you go home, why seek ye the living among the dead? Why seek ye the living? Your lifestyle, sure you've been dead toward God. Your lifestyle, you haven't been loving him, serving him, fellowshipping with his, his people. You know, why seek ye your, you've died? If Christ is alive, may he speak to every heart this morning for all of us could do better, including this man. Jesus is alive. I think we'll sing that again, will we?